This program is made possible entirely by listeners just like you. For details on signing up for a membership or making a one-time donation, please visit bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Colbert Report, The Progressive, Le Show, The Tom Hartman Program, The Onion Radio News, The Young Turks, NPR, and The Daily Show with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users, also from The Daily Show. America is under attack, and it's coming from where you least expect it, the Constitution. <laughs> and which amendment is trying to kill us? At first, I was sure it was the second. That's where the guns are. <laughs> but no, this threat is lurking up in the double digits in the most sinister amendment of them all. Jim? A growing number of Republicans are calling for dumping the 14th Amendment, revoking the citizenship of people born in this country if one of their parents is an illegal immigrant. The 14th Amendment, Lindsey Graham, among others, is proposing that we repeal the provision where you get automatic citizenship if you are born in the country. The 14th Amendment uh, was written and passed, I think, in, in, uh, in, in 1868 uh, at a time when we had no immigration law. And that's a good thing. If there was immigration law, the Indians could have had us deported. <laughs> now, now folks, scary stuff, I know, scary stuff. Now the 14th Amendment states that all persons born in the United States are citizens of the United States. And immigrants are taking advantage of this constitutional loophole to steal our freedoms. To have a child in America, they cross the border, they go to the emergency room, have a child, and that child's automatically an American citizen. It's called drop and leave. Yes, drop and leave. <laughs> also known as the squeeze and scram, <laughs> thrust and rush, dilate and repatriate, and for those who rent a car to leave the country, squirts and hurts. <laughs> and it's got an even more sinister name, Jim. Well, that dropping situation, Chris, is what we refer to as anchor baby. That's right, anchor baby. And not the good kind of anchor baby, like the love child of Wolf Blitzer and Greta Van Susteren. <laughs> Blitzer Van Susterwolf. No, I'm talking about the, the kind of sinister infant that allows illegals to stay in the United States. Now let me explain to some of my viewers who don't know where anchor babies come from. You see, when an illegal man and an illegal woman just love each other very much, they share a special hug in the hollowed out dashboard of a minivan at the Arizona border crossing. I believe we have footage of the border being breached. Jim? Oh, they're trying to get through that wall, all right. I've always said we need a 2,000 mile long latex border fence coated with spermicidal jelly. Ribbed for your freedom. Then, nine months later, the baby is born a U.S. citizen. And by immigration law, they can get their relatives a green card. All they have to do is wait until the child turns 21, have it petition the government, then return to Mexico for a mandatory 10 year waiting period, and then boom! They come back to steal all of our social services, starting with Social Security, because by then, they're eligible. <laughs> Easy peasy, taco squeezy. A lot of words. That was a lot of words. 
I earned my paycheck on that. That was a lot of words. The only other way they could stay in this country is to be one of the 98% of immigrants who are not deported every year. We have to stop this epidemic of unwanted foreigners on our soil. And I cannot say it any better than Mitch McConnell, who last week said, with all these unwanted Mexicans, America will, quote, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous that they will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, that wasn't Mitch McConnell last week. That was Benjamin Franklin in 1751. <laughs> and he wasn't talking about Mexicans, he was talking about Germans. <laughs> and he was right, we didn't stop those swarthy krauts. And now we're all wearing lederhosen and sucking down Zweiblenkuchen. <laughs> Besides, the 14th Amendment was never meant to protect immigrants. Who was that to protect? Slaves. The slaves, yes. Slaves. Slavery's a long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> These days, dark-skinned people with no rights don't pick our crops. We have Mexicans for that. <laughs> so clearly, anchor babies are destroying this country. And here to prove that I am right by disagreeing with me is the Sterling Professor of Law and Political Science at Yale University and a former anchor baby himself. Please welcome Akil Amar. <laughs> Professor Amar, thank you so much. Now, sir, first of all, isn't it a little callous of you to be here with a Muslim-sounding name this close to Ground Zero? <laughs> That's insensitive, don't you think? Well, I, I guess I'm, there's not a lot I can do about it. What can be done about the 14th Amendment? Can we get rid of it? It seems like that's where the trouble is. It's a pretty great amendment. It, In what way? It, Name 18 ways it's great. It protects your right to keep and bear arms against states no, the, the and localities. the Second against, Amendment against does that. Against states and localities. No, what only are you talking the about? The original Bill of Rights applied only against the federal government. It was the 14th Amendment, Mr. Lincoln's amendment, that said no state shall make any law which shall abridge the privileges and immunities of citizens of the United States, one of which is the right to have a gun in your home. Okay, so, so can we... That's a pretty great amendment, right? Can we keep the 14th Amendment, but just make a special class of U.S. citizenship that has no rights? <laughs> Been there, yes. done that, right. Jim Crow... No, this isn't Jim Ferguson. Crow, because this isn't black people, this is Hispanic people. Oh. It's different. Okay. Or can't you tell the difference, sir? <laughs> That's kind of racist. Um, well, the, the, here's the big idea. The big idea is that we're all born citizens, if we're born in the United States, and mm -hmm. that we're born equal citizens. Mm -hmm. It's really the textual embodiment of Mr. Jefferson's idea that all are created Equals. Does the mom have to be here, or can, can she just be over the border, and can she squirt the baby over the border wall so it lands, it lands inbound like a, like, like a tennis serve? It just lands, skips off the line. Is that legal? Because I'm sure there are women pointing themselves at our border right now. It's, it's an amazing image. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, but I think actually the key is let's focus on the child. It's really all about 
the child. Oh, the I'm child happy is to do that. born on American soil. Right. So, Here's what confuses me about so these kids. Let's not focus on the parents so much. Let's focus on the kids. This is what confuses me about these kids. Their parents are shiftless. They're 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 criminals who broke into this country. They, they, we we got to get them out of here. But that baby, by being born an American, is automatically the greatest, strongest, hardest working, most industrious, most prosperous, most God fearing people in the entire world. How do they come out of these criminals? I think that's the big idea of the 14th Amendment. We're all born equal, whether we're born in wedlock or out, whether we're born rich or poor or black or white or male or female or gay or straight or Jew or Gentile or born to parents who are criminals. We, it's, it's really, we're judged ultimately by our own deeds. Now, the 14th Amendment was written in order to make sure slaves became citizens, correct? And their children. Okay, so are you saying that we should make the illegal immigrants slaves? Because that's a known, hear me out, that is a proven path to citizenship, isn't it? Think about it. Thank Professor you. Akil Amar. What just happened in Utah may be a sign of a dystopia ahead. As you probably heard, an anonymous group notified state agencies in Utah and federal immigration authorities of a list of more than 1,300 people it alleged were illegal immigrants. The list gave people's birth dates, addresses, phone numbers, and at least for 31 of them, their social security numbers. Some of the personal info was even more intimate, like the due dates of six pregnant women. This action combines at least three polluted streams that are flowing fast right now. The first, of course, is anti-immigrant hysteria. The second is the total lack of privacy in our computerized age. And the third is the McCarthyite impulse to rat people out to the federal government. You can't really call yourself anti-big government if you're turning in 1,300 people, including 200 children and some pregnant women. But that's the hypocrisy of the far-right anti-immigrant Tea Party crowd for you. Fortunately, this effort at vigilanteism appears to have backfired, and I hope the next one, and the next one after that, will too. Lest you wonder whether there's a uh, decline in the quality of public discourse in this country, especially political discourse, fear not. We've had a, a rousing and inspiring 
and enlightening debate this this week on the subject of whether immigrants are coming to this country deliberately to have babies so they can grow up to be terrorists. Um, this is this is the sort of the the dark charge behind the uh, willingness of several Republicans to revisit the birth citizenship provision of the 14th Amendment. And let me just suggest that if we're going to reopen the 14th Amendment, hey, let's reopen the 14th Amendment and and, uh, specify that all the rights belong to natural persons and not to artificial persons, legal fiction persons. You know who you are. Anyway, the, the, uh, the birth citizenship issue, supposedly about immigration, but as I say, the darker edge of it, it has been suggested. Um, one congressman had a, uh, a rousing debate with Anderson Cooper Thursday night, Louis Gohmert from Texas, claiming that there, he had evidence, which he never produced, that terrorists were uh, sending people over here, pregnant women over here to get uh, citizenship for their n- n- newborns that could uh, then 10 or 20 years later become terrorists. His evidence was, well, entrepreneurs are doing it. You don't think the terrorists are stupid, do you? All right, sir, we'll consider the evidence. Meanwhile, there may be a more convincing case to be made. They come from somewhere else. Who knows where? They come in the dozens or the millions. Who knows how many? And they come for one reason, to be born. Terror Babies. Okay, Doctor, the mother should be coming out of city. But... But what, nurse? I'm busy with all this damn paperwork. Look at the baby. Nonsense. It's just banging its fingers on my computer keyboard. Doctor, look at the screen. Oh, my God. It's accessing jihadist websites. They're born in the USA, and their name tags may look like ours. But underneath, they're all named Stan. Jill, why was it so important for me to meet you in maternity? You know Doug Randall, our tech whiz? Sure. He's kind of cute, but he's figured out a way to interpret what they're saying. Who? The babies. Listen. Let's read in five years at some playground. And Justin, you bring the fertilizer. Nobody could make this up. And yet, somebody did. Terror babies, you nurse them, they kill you. Starring nobody you ever heard of. And coming next weekend, the fear you can touch. Terror babies 3D. So incredible, it's unbelievable. Only in political theaters. <laughs>
So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55 a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. So should anybody who is born in the United States automatically be a citizen? Is that what the people who wrote the 14th Amendment intended? Is that the idea that the founders and framers had, for that matter? And is that is this just another another great rant to, for the right-wingers to bring out the racists to help win elections in 2010? Frankly, I think that that's why we're hearing about it right now. Uh, or is there a larger issue here? And frankly, I think that there is. On the phone with us, Benjamin Johnson, the executive director of the American Immigration Council, immigrationpolicy.org is their website. Benjamin, welcome to the program. That's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, you know, at, at first, I was operating on the assumption that the 14th Amendment, which says that, that uh, any person born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, born or naturalized, um, is a citizen. At first, I was assuming that that literally meant what I guess the Supreme Court in the 1960s decided it now means, which is that, like, uh, there's a, a big uh, baby tourism business operating out of South Korea because they have a draft, a military draft. So Korean mothers will hop on a plane, come over to the United States, have their baby here. The child instantly gets dual citizenship and is no longer subject to the South Korean draft. And it's actually a big business in Korea. And, and you know, other people for other reasons are coming here to have children or just accidentally have children. And I thought that the, that's what they had in mind. But when I go back, I've got the actual congressional record from May 30th, 1866. And uh, Senator Howard from Michigan, the guy who put forward the, the proposal that became the 14th Amendment, one of the authors of it, um, he said, the, the amendment I've offered is simply declaratory uh, with what regard as law. He said, this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, or who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. And in fact, for a long time, it didn't include Native Americans because they were considered foreigners. Well, I'm, that's right. I mean, the, the <laughs> historical context, though, was, I mean, keep in mind that at that time, uh, we had no limits on immigration to the United States. That's anybody right. Those didn't come until the 1920s. Right. Anybody who got here, with the exception of Chinese, who were specifically barred uh, and, right. and, and could not acquire uh, citizenship. They were, you know, barred not only from coming, but those that were here barred from ever becoming citizens. Um, so the, one, the of the, one of the most uh, horrible and racist laws in our history, but a very right. interesting story behind that that has 
has to and, do with the history of the labor movement. Pardon my interrupting you. No, that's okay. And, and, and I, that story is part of this, too, because eventually we mm-hmm. would come to ask this question, of, well, what happens to the children of these Chinese immigrants who we have permanently barred from being citizens? So that, right. that's part of this story. But again, the historical context of, of you know, what it means to be a foreigner, what it means to be an outsider in the United States is, was different then because you could come here on arrival, claim to be part of the residence. The foreigners and the, the, uh, that he's talking about in that historical context are much more akin to the diplomats that we have today. Right. Um, and the Native American issue was also different in that those Native Americans had established tribal governments That's right. within the United States. They were recognized those, as separate nations, and they still are. Exactly. So that's very different than folks that are here in the United States, uh, working residents, ongoing parts of our community, paying taxes, all of the things that uh, immigrants then did then and and, and do now. Uh, right. The 14th Amendment had always contemplated that those folks uh, that were that are here and, and part of the body politic and, and the communities and, and, and made sort of settled here, uh, th- those are the folks that were covered by the 14th Amendment. Well, and, and, and arguably, I mean, uh, really the 14th Amendment was about African Americans. I mean, my grandfather on my father's side, and my, on my mother's side it was from the 1600s, but on my father's side, my grandfather came here in 1917 before we had those anti-immigration laws or those regulating immigration laws and simply declared himself a citizen when he went through Ellis Island. And, I mean, but, but now here we have the United Kingdom, Australia, Ireland, New Zealand, France, a number of countries have backed away from, uh, is it pronounced jus soli, the, the, the legal doctrine of if you're born here, you, you are a citizen? Right, it is. Uh, and and so the, lots of those countries, I mean, we behave differently than those countries in a lot of different ways. Uh, sure. I mean, our, we have a, a, a constitution in, in England. Uh, the parliament is not uh, second to the constitution. The constitution is secondary to, to parliament. Uh, the parliament well, and to, and to the and to the queen. Exactly. Uh, but, but, so there's lots of things that we do differently, and I think but, before we go pulling at this thread, mm-hmm. we ought to take a long, hard look at the fact that, I mean, what disturbs me about this is apparently we are willing to do anything now, including amend the Constitution to avoid confronting this issue of undocumented immigration head on. We, yeah. through, a, through policies of enforcement and improving the, the legal channels of immigration, if we actually got members of Congress, forced them to reform our immigration laws, this would not be the issue that it is today. But, but this is this, this political feeding frenzy on, on how to score political points on the backs of this issue rather than then actually dealing with it is a tragedy in American politics. I absolutely agree with you, Benjamin uh, Johnson, with uh, the, the executive director of the American Immigration Council, ImmigrationPolicy.org, and we do need comprehensive immigration reform, and we don't have an illegal immigrant Im- immigration problem in this country. We have an illegal employer problem in this country. And, I mean, there's a whole bunch of ands that we can attach to that, but there are two big problems, in my opinion, with the 14th Amendment. Um, and the first is that we really should have a discussion about whether it's appropriate that the Koreans have a tourism trade just for the purpose of getting their kids out of the military in South Korea by using our citizenship laws. And the second is the fact that the word person in in that first article of the of the 14th amendment has been used since 1886 to identify corporations 
And so I, I propose that we go to people like Lindsey Graham and these other right-wing Republicans who want to amend the 14th Amendment to say that, you know, you, you, at least one of your parents has to be a citizen, like they've done in France, for example, before you're a citizen, and say, okay, we'll give you that if you'll give us the insertion of the word natural before the word person so the corporations can no longer claim First Amendment rights to participate in politics and, and lie in, in commerce. They can no longer claim Fourth Amendment privacy rights. They can no longer claim Fifth Amendment rights uh, against self-incrimination, which is how the tobacco and asbestos companies hid their crimes for all those years. And they can no longer claim Fourteenth Amendment rights of, against discrimination, which is how big box retailers are forcing themselves on communities. You, you raised two great points. Uh, to the first Let's swap point. them. <laughs> to the first point about folks coming here, uh, I'm not going to deny that there are folks that uh, that may be doing this, and and but I would be careful about how I characterize that. Uh, the idea that it's big business in Korea, uh, it could be big business in Korea because they they charge a lot of money and. 10, well, it's not 20, a big business. I mean, it's 10, 20 people coming over here to yeah, do it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't want to make, I wouldn't want to amend our constitution or even make immigration policy based on what is a really, really small aberration. Uh, there are ways to address that. There are ways to deny to the people that are doing that. So you, 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 you can't. We're sort of uh, looking at this through the long, wrong end of the telescope in terms of narrowing in on the on the things that matter here. Uh, but do you think it's do you think it's just entirely appropriate that if somebody is born here even by accident their parents happen to be changing planes in the united states and mom goes into labor that that person is a citizen uh... And those kinds of situations uh... wouldn't apply here just being i mean subject to the jurisdiction of the united states means that they are subject to punishments i mean think about it in the context of well that's the, the argument that the right-wingers are making they're saying that the people who come in here illegally are not subject to the jurisdiction of the united states they're here illegally therefore their children are not legal we, citizens we we lock them up and put them in jail don't we that's something not we their don't, kids yes if they violate a crime in the united states are they subject to penalties for the violation of those crimes Yes, that's because they are subject to the jurisdictions of the United States. Okay. It's diplomats who commit crimes uh, have are an not subject. They are I they get have it. diplomatic immunity. They are not it. subject to our laws. I get it. Uh, that's the difference. I get it. Okay, you have educated me. I read about your uncle Ronnie too. I'm sorry. I had a friend kill himself over something who didn't want him. I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. I even got the underground stuff that you did the scam. I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man. I like the stuff you did with rockets too. That's bad. Anyways, I hope you get this, man. Hit me back. Just the chat. Truly yours, your biggest fan. This is Stan. The teeth's gone cold and wondering why I got out of bed at all. The morning rain clapped up my window. Oh, I can't see it all. And even if I could, it would all be great. Put your picture on my wall. It reminds me that it's not so bad. Not so bad. Immigration officials beef up the U.S.-Mexican border with beef. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The INS announced today that our border with Mexico is now fortified with 1,200 miles of pure beef. The 1,500-foot wall of seasoned beef will make border crossing impossible. INS spokesman Frank Wilhelm. Even if a Mexican does get across, he'll be so full... He won't run far. To prevent spoilage, trainloads of fresh hamburger fortify the shield three times daily, and excess grease is dumped into the Rio Grande. The beef barrier cost the government $15 trillion. Doyle Redland for the Ontario.
Hi, my name is Mike. I live in Washington, D.C., and I'm a political junkie, and uh, that's why I listen to Best of the Left every week, and that's why I'm a paying member, because I've come to not be able to live without it. Uh, you're going to be entertained when you listen to this show. You're informed. Uh, it stretches your thinking about politics, and again, you come to depend on it. I don't know what I would do without it. Uh, it's really worth the amount that I pay every month. It's worth a lot more. It's the Best of the Left. And it's the best you'll get on radio and politics. Republicans are in full scapegoat mode right now, and they're taking this country into uglier and uglier territory. Their scapegoat is the immigrant who is here illegally. They want to make life absolutely as miserable as possible for these immigrants, witness Arizona. But not only that, they want the sins of the parents to be visited on the children. They want to amend the very Constitution itself to deny citizenship to children born here in the U.S., to parents who were here illegally. That's right, they want to repeal the 14th Amendment. This isn't just a fringe effort. 94 Republicans in the House are behind it, as are Senators Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, and John Kyle. This is outrageous. The 14th Amendment has been on the books since the end of the Civil War, and seven generations of Americans have benefited from the guaranteed right of citizenship by birth here, regardless of who their parents were. Now we're going to take that away? Republicans are stabbing at the very concept of America as a land of freedom and opportunity, and instead of solving the economic crisis, they want the public to single out brown-skinned immigrants and their children for an extra helping of scorn. It's hard to conceive of a more reprehensible strategy. Back together again I'm gonna hold my woman And gonna hold my job One gonna help me get up And gonna help me stop One gonna help me talk right One gonna lay me down to sleep Texas. They say only two things come from Texas, steers and mares. Please welcome Julian Castro. Hey, Mr. Mayor, thanks so much for coming on. Your honor, your eminence, your excellency. Thank you so much. Well, sir, thank you for coming on. Thank you for you having me. You are certainly a young, spry thing for the mayor of the seventh largest city in America. 35 now. Wow. And shaving. <laughs> I, I, I am. I do shave. Now, you, you are a rising star in the Democratic Party. Let me get your stats out right here, okay? Look at these. Uh, elected mayor of San Antonio, the seventh largest city in the nation, as I said, at the age of 34. You are the youngest mayor of a top 50 American city. You are also Hispanic. That naturally leads to my first question. Could I see some papers, please? <laughs> Do you have anything proving, I, I, that, proving that you're an American citizen? Anything I at all? I have my driver's license. Do you have I it have on you? I do. Do you have it on you? May I see I it do. please? Sure. May I see it please? I'm sorry, I just do this to all my guests. We usually cut this out of the interview, but I ask there all of go. my guests. I, this, I do this to Dolores Kearns Goodwin, too. Okay. Okay, I'll buy it. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank now, you. Uh, 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 as, as, a, as a recent immigrant, how do you feel? Well... 
I, I've been here for a while. I was born here. You were born here. States, You're born yeah. here. Can I just say immigrant? Because it'll make the interview uh, yeah. more piquant, you know? Um, uh, how do you feel about the Arizona law? I mean, you're a politician, you're in Texas, you got your own long border there. We do. Do, do, do you support the Arizona law? No, I don't. I don't. You know, I, I think it's bad policy uh, for different Why? We reasons. Gotta, we got we to protect our borders. You don't believe in protecting our borders? I do. Yeah, in fact, in Texas, we probably protect them better than any other state. Better than You California. have a river. That's easy for you. <laughs> the river does all the work for you. We're talking about. Yes, we protect ourselves from Europe, too. It's called the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> well, we just You're borrowed, cheating, we sir. We borrowed something there. But, you know, I think that, that the Arizona law comes out of legitimate frustration that Arizonans have. I mean, Absolutely. Phoenix is the kidnapping capital of yeah, America. There are hundreds right of now. thousands of, of illegal immigrants that pass through Arizona, right. particularly after they, they did a better job, the federal government did, of blocking that access off in California and Texas. But at the same time, I think that that legislation just went overboard. It went overboard in a couple of ways. First, by allowing any uh, resident of Arizona, whether they live in a county or not, to sue a police department because they believe that the law is not being enforced properly. I mean, talk about a frivolous lawsuit. Uh, I can't think of a, of a better example of a frivolous lawsuit than that. I could sue you for saying that. <laughs> that might, that be, that more might be more frivolous. But now, so you, you, you were born in the United States, you're Hispanic, you don't speak you don't speak Spanish, do you? No, I understand it better than I speak it. I, I speak English a lot better than I speak Spanish. So, so if you're not a if you're not a sort of a natural Spanish speaker yourselves, why do you insist on Julian? Well, why not Julian? You okay, know, you join. Know. Welcome, welcome to America. It's Julian. Aren't you trying to have your flan and eat it too? <laughs> Is that like Colbert versus Colbert? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was growing up in. Uh, in, in all the way up and through through 12th grade, you kind of don't define what they call you. So people did call me Julian all the way up until I got to college when I actually had the opportunity to say, no, my name is Julian, uh, but that's actually my given name, Julian. So I figure I might as well pronounce it the way that it was uh, meant to be pronounced. I understand you're, 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 you're taking Spanish lessons right now. I am. I'm, okay. I'm practicing. You know what helps with practicing? Sometimes I watch that Dora the Explorer show. <laughs> you watch that? You can learn how to. You can learn how to say where is the map. You know, it's always in the backpack. By the way, <laughs> I haven't tried that one. Now you are you are the mayor of San Antonio. As I said, a lot of beautiful attractions. The riverfront there is beautiful. You know, you know what else is there? The Alamo. The Alamo. The Alamo's there. Do you remember the Alamo? I do remember. I the do Alamo. remember the Alamo too. What do you remember the Alamo for? Because well, I, I remember it for keeping out the Mexicans. <laughs> the Alamo right? is. Do you remember well, the you Alamo? Know, there were there were Mexicans that actually fought with the Texians. Against Mexico, yeah. Actually, it's you know, Texians? the cradle. Do you really That's say what Texians? they were called? Texians, yes, at that time. Really? And yeah. they dropped the I when they became yeah. a state. Texas used to be its own country between 1836 and 1845. Yeah. Wow! And if Rick Perry has his way, any minute they'll be their own country well, again. I won't go there, but yeah, we once had. That. I went there yeah. for you. That's okay. <laughs> Now you okay? So you're you're a young guy. Uh, you got a nice head of hair. You're uh, here Hispanic. You could be elected the governor of Texas. True, it's possible. Well, you know, I is I it doubt possible? It, you know, is it possible? Anything's possible. But you know, right now there are 29 statewide offices in Texas, and all 29 of them are filled by a Republican. So something's got to change for anyone. That is that is the gift of gerrymandering, my friend. <laughs> are you afraid that someone from Mexico is going to come over the border and take your job as Hispanic mayor? No. No? That doesn't worry me. That doesn't worry you at all? Well, you're a braver man than I am. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Mayor Julian.
You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. There is a neo-Nazi group in Arizona that's attempting to carry out vigilante justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say that they are uh, trying to stop what they call Mm narco-terrorism. And uh, they're keeping an eye on the borders, they're heavily armed, and and they say that they're not planning on hurting people who are trying to cross the borders. They say that in the past, when they catch these criminals, they give them a drink of water, And then they send him over to Border Patrol. Oh, well, aren't they very pleasant Nazis then? Okay. Now, the leader of this group, uh, his name is Jason Reddy, and he says that he identifies with the National Socialist Movement. Okay. Um, Yeah, those would be the Nazis. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, the problem is, officials say, they are actually technically on public land. And according to Arizona law, they can carry around almost any firearms they want. So they're not breaking the law, right? And some cops or Border Patrol, et cetera, are somewhat open to this. They say as long as they turn them over and there's no confrontation. Of course, a, a lot of the smart ones say, no, 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 because you're going around and you might run into people who are just regular folks trying to get a job, et cetera. You're not going to have an issue. You're going to give them water. Or you might actually run into dangerous people. And then what are we going to have? We're going to have a shootout, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a disaster on our hands. And these guys, that they like to play, you know, ass-slap Nazi here, right? And they like to play patty cakes. And they think they're cool and it's that. I don't know anything about them, right? And I don't know if they're tough or not tough or whatever. I know that the guys across the border who are hardcore gang members who are selling drugs, they're not playing, right? So when those guys run into the Nazis, is there any way in the world that that turns out good? Right. My guess is it turns out disastrous for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And then once that happens, then other people will get up in arms and go, oh, my God, look at these, you know, these narco-terrorists who came and killed these poor Nazis here. <laughs> okay. Now, and then, of course, they won't be painted as such. They'll be painted as American heroes. It, the whole thing sucks. Yeah, there's nothing good about a neo-Nazi carrying an assault rifle looking for illegal immigrants. Okay, that's like a recipe for disaster. This, these guys are just looking for trouble. They say they're trying to protect their country. They're looking for trouble. Let the officials handle it. It's none of your business. Vigilante justice is not going to work. Yeah, and look, that doesn't mean that we don't think that we should be uh, patrolling the border. That's a very open and interesting question and one that should be debated as to how much we should patrol the border. Is that the right way to go? And I get the frustration throughout the country, especially in the border states, as people keep coming in and coming in without documentation, et cetera, et cetera. But taking the law into your own hands is, one, a bad idea. Doing it with guns is a terrible idea, especially when some of the people coming over might also have guns. And then third of all, having neo-Nazis do it is the worst idea of all. So please, let's get a handle on this. And if you're the authorities in the area, don't let them do this. 
Okay, look, when you want to go bust people you don't like, you find a hundred different reasons. Oh, your left blinker was off, or this or that, or you had slightly tinted windows. You got neo-Nazis running around with guns. Help me out, find a reason, okay? And if you don't, my guess is you don't mind it. And you're going to mind it one day. We're just trying to give you a heads up. As the midterm elections approach, the immigration issue has gone from simmer to full boil. The reason is Arizona. There, Republican Governor Jan Brewer is waiting to hear if an appeals court will reinstate the most controversial elements of a law designed to crack down on illegal immigration. Brewer's support for Senate Bill 1070 may be helping her in her re-election bid. And now, more Republicans are picking up the immigration mantle, hoping it will help them, too, come November. NPR's Jeff Brady reports. Immigration is a big topic on national conservative radio shows like Sean Hannity. It's it's not really a complicated problem because all we need to do is control our borders. And on local radio, too. Stan, you're on the show. Good morning. On Peter Boyle's show in Denver, callers phoned in their frustration. Number number one, a judge in Arizona ought to be impeached or fired for what he's uh, done to the... It was a woman. It was a woman judge. Yeah, well, she should be. U.S. District Judge Susan Bolton placed restrictions on key provisions of Senate Bill 1070, including one that instructs police to check immigration status when enforcing other laws. Security at the courthouse in Phoenix has been strengthened because of threats Bolton received. The news out of Arizona is hitting home as far away as a small town in South Carolina, where a city councilman wants to force employers to check immigration status of workers and landlords to check renters. On the campaign trail, Republicans are drawing particular attention to a May 20th speech Mexico's President Felipe Calderón delivered to a joint session of Congress. I strongly disagree with the recently adopted law in Arizona. It is a law. Democrats stood up and applauded as Republicans remained seated. In Colorado, Senate candidate Ken Buck told a Tea Party gathering outside Denver that he would have reacted even more strongly than his GOP colleagues did. I will stand up, I will turn my back, and I will leave whatever chamber I am in to make sure that You can bet images of Democrats standing up and applauding President Calderon will show up in campaign ads soon, says former Colorado Congressman Bob Beaupre, who's a Republican. Speaking over a scratchy telephone line from his ranch in the Rocky Mountains, Beaupre says immigration already has been a key issue in the Republican primary in Colorado. The contestants are trying to appear at least tougher on the the issue 
than their opponent. Uh, everybody's trying to one-up the other one. Immigration is one of those hot-button issues that can mobilize voters, and that can be especially important in a midterm election when turnout is lower. But it's not just supporters of the Arizona law who are angry. Those who oppose it have vented their anger during street protests. It's not clear, though, that outrage over the law will prompt Latino voters to turn out in greater numbers than they did in the last midterm election. Stanford political science professor Gary Segura does consulting and polling for Latino and Democratic-leaning organizations. He says many Latinos are discouraged because President Obama didn't make good on his campaign pledge to overhaul immigration laws. I would predict that Latino voter turnout in 2010 would be lower than Latino voter turnout in 2006, which would be damaging for the Democrats. In the long term, Segura says, the immigration issue may hurt Republicans as minorities make up an increasing share of the electorate. He points to the California experience in the wake of Proposition 187, which barred illegal immigrants from accessing state services. It helped Republican Governor Pete Wilson win re-election in 1994, but the backlash helped establish a Democratic majority in California that has proven difficult for Republicans to overcome. Now some are wondering if that same situation may be playing out in Arizona. Amendment, you know, the one that guarantees equal protection under the law as well as citizenship for any person born in the United States. Remember when that was passed and how heated the issue became? I remember this one episode of Actual Crossfire in 1866. <laughs> Senator Edward Cowan, R. Pennsylvania, argued that if the amendment passed, California would be, quote, overrun by a flood of Mongols, that Californians would be immigrated out of house and home by the Chinese, <laughs> and that it is utterly and totally impossible to mingle all the various families of men from the lowest form of the Hottentot up to the highest Caucasian in the same society. Boy, was that guy wrong. First of all, almost all of the various families of men from 1866 have been successfully mingled from highest Caucasian through yellow peril and black Irish. But freeze your TiVo, you might enjoy this. And second, as far as California goes, the Chinese have only managed to take control of a small section of San Francisco and one really beautiful movie theater in Hollywood. So, our movie stars never fell for your devious Chinese foot and hand cement traps. Ha <laughs> ha! They removed their extremities before it hardened. So the worries around the 14th Amendment never came to pass. And yet suddenly, 145 years later, there is a movement afoot to rescind the law that makes anyone born in the United States a U.S. citizen, specifically aimed at the children of illegal immigrants. My God, the hot and tot Mongol flood is back! <laughs> Threatening to overwhelm us! 
What's the, the issue about it this time? Anchor babies. <laughs> you mean the hottest new show on Nick Jr.? Anchor babies? This is... This is Brian Williams. This is Brian... This is baby Brian Williams saying to you and your family, I just made a boom boom. <laughs> Wait a minute. Y'all are, are repealing the 14th Amendment to send a message to babies? You know, look, I know it's babies, we're and it's hard to be tough on babies, but let's remember... Okay, wait, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> Here's a sign you shouldn't finish a sentence. When it begins with, I know it's hard to be tough on babies, but... <laughs> the free ride is over, you drooling, diaper-soiling, poor motor control, having little... <laughs> hey, 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 moron! Object permanence called! It, no? Object permanence? No. <laughs> Well, you were special ed teachers. Can I get a Piaget? Nothing? I'm sorry, crazy lady, you were saying? It's hard to be tough on babies, but let's remember, we're talking about illegal aliens coming to this country for the purpose of birthing a child, not because they love the kid, because they want that child to provide them with the benefits of U.S. citizenship. <gasps> Whose parents are exploiting you for citizenship? <laughs> Your parents? Yes, they are. Yes, they... <laughs> oh, I, think it's gonna, I think it's gonna blow. All right. So, one attorney talking crazy talk. It's not like she's an elected official espousing some radical conspiracy theory. Your, your theory is that Al-Qaeda will send a, a pregnant woman over here, have a baby, and then start to train these babies to be terrorists? Is that right? Well, Eric, it's not just a theory. It's, it's, it's not just a theory. In fact, my doctor says it's a, a symptom of my syphilitic mind. <laughs> the idea that Al-Qaeda is planting children here to be raised as sleeper cell terrorists, that... There is a kid in my son's kindergarten class, Osama Feldstein, who does... <laughs> Kind of stand out. This is what I got. This is what I got the beard for. All right, but that's not a normal congressman. It's Louis Gohmert. He actually believes that hate crime laws lead to necrophilia, and that senators should be elected by state legislatures, and that the moon is made of whipped cream, which a giant fat man eats every month. I, I only made up one of those. It's not like any of our more rational and respected political figures give this movement any credence. Birthright citizenship, I think, is a, is a mistake, that we should change our Constitution and say if you come here illegally and you have a child, that child's automatically not a citizen. They come here to drop a child, it's called drop and leave. No, you call it drop and leave. <laughs> I believe they call it the miraculous birth of their child. <laughs> and why do politicians always have to give everything a catchy name, a shock and awe, cut and run? I'm against astronauts having sex in space. Vote no on Tang and Bang. No, no selling Easter candy to pedophiles. You heard me. No peeps for creeps. I, I have 30 more of these. So much irrational, illegal immigrant hate. I just wish there was a voice of reason out there, someone who could see this issue clearly.
My guest now, Lou Dobbs. And uh, the idea that anchor babies, uh, though, require somehow changing the 14th Amendment. I, I part ways with the senators on that. I have to insist that we recognize those anchor babies mm -hmm. as citizens of this country. <laughs> Lou Dobbs <laughs> thinks your immigration measure is too draconian. Lou Dobbs. <laughs> Lou Dobbs, who spent the last 15 years of his life trying to get Dora the Explorer deported, <laughs> thinks you've gone too far. For more, we go live to the Mexican border with our senior immigration correspondent, Jason Jones. Jason, uh, welcome to the show. The vast majority, the vast majority of immigrants, illegal and otherwise, are just hardworking people looking to make a better life for themselves and their families often paying into systems like Social Security while not receiving any of the benefits. They're frequently a vital part of our nation's economy. That's right, John, and people are sick and tired of it. It's gotta stop sucking out our country's valuable resources with their drop-and-leave Mexican sleeper terror babies. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason, I had to interrupt. Our country, not to obviously discount your impassioned stance, but you, you and Sam are Canadian, and if I'm not mistaken, about to drop your third anchor baby. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> By the way, that drops August 10th, son. Check it out. <laughs> B. Jones 3 in the house. It's a trilogy, yo. Yeah. First of all, I don't think you should be the hype man for your children. And second of all, isn't your situation exactly what the, these critics are complaining about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a giant scheme. Me, Rick Moranis, Marty Short, we're, we're all spitting out Canadian terror babies like watermelon seeds. So in 20 years, they can overthrow America and make it, I don't know, more polite. <laughs> Busted! No, no, no. This is completely different. Why? Because. <laughs> Why? We're white. <laughs> that, that, that was the point you were getting at, right? Yeah. yeah damn it! My offspring will bury you, Stuart, with kindness and respect. Fear us! Jason Jones, everybody, we'll be right back. What drives a man to lock his doors and bar his windows tight? To leave his lights on timers so his house appears so bright? A temper fence around his door and cameras on the walls? A fortress so secure that he can hardly get in at all? Fear is a villain. When he grips you late at night He'll catch you when your back is turned He's watching you Well sing a song for beauty Sing a song for me Sing a song for flowers in bloom For snow on a tree Sing a song for those who don't see beauty But see a shame That beauty shall be ended Xenophobia is running rampant in this country. I guess it shouldn't be a huge surprise, since at times of great economic suffering and dislocation, demagogues have often made hay. But it's scary to behold in the year 2010, certainly. Just look at the reaction to the so-called Ground Zero mosque, or to the taking of dogs to intimidate mosque worshippers in California, or to the defacement of mosques all across the country. Or look at the anti-immigrant sentiment that boiled over in Arizona and is simmering in state after state. Amazingly, 49% of Americans are in favor of amending the Constitution to deprive citizenship rights to children of immigrants who are here illegally. There's a battle on right now for the 
soul of this country? Are we going to be a nation that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free? Or are we going to be a nation that says, get out of here. We don't want you. Go home. We got ours and you can't have any of it. Are we a generous and welcoming nation or a fearful and bigoted and parsimonious one? We all have a say in that answer. And it's not a question we can afford to dodge. Republican candidate Marge Barker, she's running uh, in, uh, she's actually speaking at a rally of Glenn Beck's 912 project. She's running for a House seat in Florida, and she's about to say some out-of-control things. Well, let's let you hear it yourself. Clip number eight. Marge, what would be your solution for illegal immigration and, uh, and, and jobs associated with that? Um. We can follow what happened back in the 40s or 50s. I was just a little girl in Miami. And they built camps for the people that snuck into the country because they were illegal. They put them in the camps and they shipped them back. We can do that. We can do e saying the stuff about the camps I thought well why is this clip continuing how can she get any crazier and then she says oh yeah we should grab our guns that's part of the answer for immigration after we have them in the camps by the way of course there were no camps in Miami in the 1940s for Cubans as I was listening I was like really I don't remember that look it up and of course not there were two camps uh, in the 1940s historically if you remember one was in America it was of course uh, the internment camps for the Japanese. Uh, we later apologized for that. You know who apologized for it? Ronald Reagan. Interesting. And then, of course, there were camps in Germany in the 1940s. All right, so she thinks that, that camps were a brilliant idea in the 1940s, and we should bring them back for illegal immigrants and make sure we grab our guns while we're at it, because that's part of the solution. You see what I'm talking about? These radical right-wingers are driving the Republican Party completely off the cliff. This is mental. This is insanity. I can't believe we're even having this conversation.
KJ. This is Brett in Delaware, Ohio. Appreciate all the work you do. You're doing a great job. And I think we've got, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you in a second uh, here. We'll put Uger and I don't know your last name for 2012. So it'll be Jank and Jay, 2012. Jay, this is Chuck in Salt Lake City. Hey, this, this call in, uh, this is great. Um, but uh, I called because I actually have a challenge to all of the best of the left uh, community. Um, I, uh, like many of you, I'm sure, I'm just really disturbed at all of the uh, Muslim bashing. Uh, uh, and I've decided uh, that me and my family are going to take a little bit of action. Um, I guess uh, Ramadan ends uh, September 12th. And me and my family are going to put together some gifts. And we're going to uh, take them to our local mosque. And we're going to... Uh, express our displeasure with the uh, Muslim haters. <laughs> uh, now, this is going to be kind of odd for me, being an atheist, uh, but uh, I'm not only an atheist, I'm an American, and uh, I believe in uh, freedom of religion. Uh, that's part of the reason I'm able to be an atheist, I think. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would like to challenge everyone to do the same thing in their communities. I think... Uh, it would be it would be almost like a flash mob if we all did it on on Eid, uh, the end of the uh, the Muslim holy month, uh, and uh, it might send uh, a message uh, to the right wingers that uh, you know this is this is how to be a real American. Thanks again for the call in line, man. Great show. Hi, this is Aaron from Duluth, Minnesota, and I just was calling to correct you on the net neutrality stuff. It isn't that corporations would be allowed to charge people more for internet access or, or charge them more for a faster, um, you know, more megabit uh, kind of pipe, that's possible now. I mean, you when you get charter cable modem sort of thing set up, you can pay $10 a month for one megabit or $80 a month for eight megabits or whatever it is. That's not the issue. What the issue is, is that corporations, you know, whether they determine this by political questions or technological means, you know, sites that are taking up, not just sites, but different sorts of internet traffic that's taking up a lot of bandwidth, that they will throttle those back in a way that, you know, cut them out of the deal, you know, so that if, I think uh, the Young Turks has probably provided the best um, vision of what this means in saying that, you know, well, if Verizon decides the Huffington Post is better for business and Rush Limbaugh's site is worse, you know, suddenly Rush Limbaugh, um, his website is throttled back, nor vice versa. And that's the point um, in that, yeah, there's a lot of information online about this, but it's not a matter of how fast I get, you know, Internet speed. It's how fast everybody else who serves out content has access to uh, providers and consumers and whatever. So thanks a lot for the show, and take care. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks, of course, to everyone who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a message yourself to be played on the show, please dial 206-202-3410. And I'm excited because today I think we heard the first of uh, of what I think will be many uh, activist calls to action from uh, from Chuck. Chuck called in and basically challenged all of you to uh, be nice to a Muslim uh, here at the end of Ramadan in a couple of days. 
And it, and it just so happens that I mean it was a, it was a great idea that he had. I'm glad he called in and uh, and made his case for that. But the, but also I had an email basically along those same lines from Nathan, uh, not on a specific idea or a spe- specific campaign that you should get involved with, but he said, hey, why don't you uh, encourage people to call in, especially activists who are already involved in campaigns, to call in and tell the listeners of this show what can be done uh, to help you know on on whatever issue maybe whatever theme the show is about we could have people calling in to give instructions on hey you can attend this rally or you can sign this petition and so on and so on and that is literally like the best idea i've heard uh, on on you know what this show should do in a really long time and it just so happens, you know, I, I didn't have the, the idea my, myself, obviously, but I, I had kind of a, a version of that idea where, you know, months ago, as part of when the show was undergoing a lot of changes in the background, maybe things you didn't notice listening if you've been listening for a long time, but a lot of things changed when the show went from a hobby to, uh, you know, to a full-time job for me. And one of the things that, uh, was on the board of ways to change the show was to integrate a uh, you know a call to action sort of segment in the show regularly, and so that was on the on the board of ideas, and it just never got implemented because I you know so many other things were happening that uh, you know I just I just couldn't pull it off, and that's basically where it stood for a long time. It's it's a good idea that should obviously take place. Uh, this show is, I hope, extremely informative on lots of different issues, but doesn't give a lot of guidance on what you can do as an individual to get involved. And so a long time ago, I thought that's something I should start to do, but because I couldn't do it myself, I didn't have the time uh, and you know couldn't commit to that huge effort of not only doing everything I needed to do for the show to, to produce it, but then to also plug in to campaigns or newsletters or petitions or whatever was going on in the world to, uh, you know, to, to plug myself into that to then tell you about it was was going to be an enormous effort. And so this call in line is a perfect way to crowdsource that. So if you are out there in the world and you have uh, you know, a rally that's coming up, a petition that should be signed, whatever, on any topic, call into the voicemail line and try to keep it to about 45 seconds or less and tell the people listening what they can do to support net neutrality, what they can do to support, you know, global warming causes or, uh, you know, as Chuck did, called in to say, hey, let's um, let's show some support uh, of the uh, you know, peaceful Muslims here at the end of Ramadan. That would be a, a way to show that we're not all crazy. So anyways, I thought that was an excellent idea. I think that this is going to be something that's going to go forward and I will be mentioning regularly. So huge thanks to Nathan for writing in with the idea. And and then also Chuck, without even knowing it, is, is the first one to uh, to engage in this new idea of kind of an activist call to action. So again, if you want to call in and leave a message uh, along those lines or to say anything about anything, the number again is 206-202-3410.
Now, before I go, I just want to thank a couple members, of course, who make the show possible. I couldn't do it without you guys. Herbert R. signed up for a yearly membership starting on uh, August 3rd and went above and beyond the, the minimum membership level just to help the show out a little bit more. Thanks very much, Herbert, for doing that. And, uh, and Allison D. signed up for a monthly membership on July 21st. And Allison is just an all-around kick-ass member and listener and has been for a long time and has helped behind the scenes and, uh, and is continuing to do so. So I want to thank her uh, for, for her membership as well as everything else she's ever done for us. And that's going to do it for today. And of course, everyone can support the show by just telling everyone you know about it. This is a totally word of mouth show, no advertising whatsoever. And so, uh, you know, you telling five friends and them telling five friends and so on and so on really does make a huge, huge difference. So thanks in advance for doing that. Of course, to stay connected online and help spread the word about the show online, join up with the show on Facebook and Twitter. For details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all of that is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So, coming to you from far outside, the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you ten times a month, thanks entirely to the support of the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like Hi there, it's Mike. Here's another unsolicited moment for the podcast listeners. Some things have changed since I sent my first message to Jay. The main change? More podcasts. Ten a month. And there's the iPod apps, the bonus clips divided into different categories for the subscribers. And now Jay has made this podcast his full-time job. Plus, Jay won the Best Produced Podcast of the Year Award. By using the Amazon link on the Best of the Left podcast site, you can contribute with every purchase you make at reduced prices on just about every Thing. At Amazon, you can buy music, downloads, furnish your apartments, fill up your cupboards with linens, food, computer supplies, appliances, and on and on and on. Not just the Amazon DVDs and books. In fact, it's hard to name anything that you can't buy at Amazon. And you're contributing at the same time without paying a penny more. Now, my Social Security retirement check doesn't allow for much shopping, but I still manage to make sure Jay has my $5 subscription month after month. It's great to know that even on a meager income, I'm making a big difference in our world, keeping the Best of the Left podcast going and growing and ensuring progressive concepts are introduced, heard, and passed on. I'm proud to be a part of that, and you will be too. Do your part. Do what you can. Thanks.